This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and I'm coming to you um, from Indiana tonight, and I'm so excited to speak with my guest, Debbie Abraham. Thank you so much for joining me all the way from Australia, Debbie. This is so exciting. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, when I first um, started following you, and I think I must have found you something related to your podcast, which we're going to talk a lot about because uh-huh. I'm very interested in that. And you know, it's related to purity culture. So we'll yes. get into that. But I, I really, when I asked you to be a guest, I didn't know you lived in Australia. So yeah. when you told me that, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So we're, this is going to be, you know, scheduling might be a little, little tricky, but we'll get it together. There's a lot of math involved. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Thankfully, we have Google <laughs> to do all the translations for us. Yes. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and just sort of the, the layout of your life. Sure. Well, so I <laughs> live in Australia. As you mentioned, I'm an Australian citizen, but I was born in Sri Lanka. I grew up as a missionary kid in the Philippines and our support base, our family support base was in Northwest Arkansas. So I sort of grew up between the Philippines and Northwest Arkansas, which is very random. And I studied, I did four years of university in Northwest Arkansas. I studied journalism and history. So what I say is I'm kind of a real life reporter. I report on real life. That's kind of how I think of about myself. But I worked as a journalist very briefly and then in writing uh, as a marketing writer. And that's what I do now. I, I think of myself as a freelance writer right now, I'm trying to get published and write about purity culture, report and write about that. So uh, Jessica Vander Weingart and I have a podcast on purity culture, really on life after purity culture. It's called Where Do We Go From Here? And she's a filmmaker, sort of a storyteller, and I am a journalist and a history, journalism and history is my background. So that's really the two viewpoints that we bring to the conversation about human sexuality and building a sexual ethic of your own. Uh, and I'm married, I've got two kids who are nine and seven and in school, thank you God. And <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, that's that's sort of the broad overview, I guess. Well, I was gonna say, um, as I was listening to some of your podcast episodes say, I didn't realize that your co-host was the one who made the documentary about Joshua Harris, which I had I don't know if I've actually seen the whole thing, but I've definitely seen clips of it and heard a lot about it. Yeah. So um, yeah. is that how you met her just through through knowing about that film? Yeah, well, Jess actually was really a good friends with my sisters a long, long time ago. So 2006, 2007. And so I knew her that way. And then when Josh's marriage kind of blew up in public, mm-hmm. Just I had been following the account, the I Kiss Dating, I Survived I Kiss Dating Goodbye Instagram account. And so I messaged her in response to a story that she did on like, please give these people some privacy. And I just, and she messaged back and said, oh, can we catch up? And so I said, sure. And so we did a Skype and then I said, oh, are you in Canada? And she was like, no, I live, I'm in 20 minutes away from me, basically. And so we caught up in person and then uh, and just kind of went, hey, what about this? And talked about it for a long time. We took about six months to kind of really put together, make a decision on whether or not we should do this. 
And then, yeah, what you have is the result of a lot of those conversations and a year and a half now of working on the podcast. So very yeah. cool. Hey, let me ask yeah. you a question about your mic. I think it's like really picking up a bunch of background. Maybe it might it might be okay. better to turn it yeah, off. Because I can I turn it off. No problem. Let me do that. Is that I don't good? know if that'll help. Let's see. What do you think? I feel well, I think maybe that's better. Is it better? Okay, that's great. Well, it's well, it's still it's still catching, but I don't know where it's coming from. So we can just keep going. It's just like a slight like when you move, but that's okay. Oh, really? Oh, you know what? Is it my necklace? I bet that's it. That's got to be it. Maybe yeah. if you, Shall I take you it take off? Yeah, yeah, so I can do it, that. Just give me a second. I know. Isn't this the great thing about being live? Uh, <laughs> yeah, just give me a second. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah, podcasting, uh, little noises can. Uh, <clears throat> lesson lesson learned no jewelry yeah no I was like what is that I was like you're not really moving that much but that's exactly that was what that's it was it. It. okay good good <laughs> okay so we'll get back to the questions um so uh I loved and I want to get back to the podcast in a second but I was yeah. as I was looking at your website you, your website tagline is you write speak and podcast about how to grow up one day yeah. at a time yeah tell me about that tagline because that's really fun yeah, so I I do I started doing this on Instagram actually. I use the hashtag the life changing magic of growing up because I really feel like for me part of a big part of my life in my 30s, I'm 38 years old, has been figuring out what life as an adult means. I'm a Christian, I don't apologize about that. It's very much, you know, the outlook of my life, but I feel like the faith that was given to me um, in my childhood and even through my 20s in university, I went to a Christian university in Northwest Arkansas, and then the church that I was in here. I think when our when our religious programming is all about uh, making sure that your life is not basically is mistake free, uh, there's a lot of rules. And what that does is it disables your ability to naturally grow up, I think. And so I, I believe that in my 30s, I really had to refigure out what being a grown up meant. And part of that is because I married someone who, um, he was from a Christian family, but none of this sort of Christian rules around life. That sort of, I, I really think it's an American way of doing a life with um, all the books, the self-help books. He didn't grow up with any of those. And I think he would often just kind of go like, why do you not know how to do this? Like whatever it is, you know, whether it was some things related to relating to other people or communicating and things like that, that I started to begin to see, I have kind of a developmental gap here. Mm -hmm. um, just some basic lessons about life that I was not equipped with. And so I started doing that on Instagram and that's really where I still do it. Just basic lessons about how to relate to people, like what I'm learning in terms of how, how to relate to people that have become kind of notes to my younger self that I think other women have kind of come along and men as well to say, actually, I need to be part of that too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you think growing up in sort of, I know you didn't, you grew up in uh, the Philippines, right? Yes. Um, but it was like a Christian subculture. Yes. Uh, so, so you think it was sort of that Christian subculture that, you know, sort of prevented you from learning some of these things? Yeah. I mean, yes, it's probably also my own personality. I think I am a rule follower. So it worked for me to kind of go, I'm not going to listen to my intuition. I'm not going to pay attention to what's kind of going on in me. 
I like having a game plan for how all of this can work. I think there are a lot of us who, who do that. I think there are a lot of good Christian people who all you wanna do is do the right thing. And that goes for men and women. I don't think it's just women. And you don't wanna screw up. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned through parenting as well, is aiding the development of my children and discovering the way the impact of mistakes on their life to develop their character, develop their choices. And I think it made me realize like if I've never tried to make a mistake, if I've never tried to fail, I've missed out on some learning opportunity, major learning opportunities. So yeah, I think it was definitely my growing up as a in a Christian subculture was part of it. I also think personality was part of it. I think, you know, it's life. Life is happening all the mm -hmm. time. And that's mm -hmm. part of it too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I want to ask you about this. Um, so I didn't really know that people in Australia grew up in purity culture. I didn't know that like the Christian culture like transferred uh, that far away, I guess. But I guess the Western church, that's part of the Western church, right? When, isn't that sort of, it's calculated that way? Yeah, yes, absolutely. So Australia is part of the Western church. Um, but I think, look, I would say some form of purity culture exists everywhere. Uh, it True. doesn't, it's not, it's not just about Christianity. So mm -hmm. um, Muslim cultures will have the same, the same ideas about purity culture exist in Muslim cultures, in Hindu cultures, in Buddhist cultures. I have my neighbor uh, is a Hindu, was my former neighbor is Hindu. And when I told her about the, she actually helped me set up the website. She's a website programmer. And so when I was telling her about the podcast, she was like, oh, like, oh, t sorry, I was telling her about purity culture. She was like, oh, that's the exact same thing for us. And she's never, you know, not, she's not from a Christian background at all, but it's the same idea about a woman's virginity is kind of her prize. And there's expectations on women that uh, men don't have, that we don't have for men. And we expect men to kind of screw around. We don't expect women to do the same. And if a woman is, you know, dressed a certain way, then she's asking for it. All of those ideas exist in other cultures. Uh, because it's really about patriarchy, I would say, much more so than it is about even evangelicalism. What evangelicalism did is it took the ideas that already existed in culture and then found a Christian way to kind of talk about it. Um, so as far as the modern iteration of purity culture, as far as you have Josh Harris's ideas around I Kiss State and Goodbye, those ideas are very much American, I would say, and came over to Australia and the United Kingdom via the wonderful machine of Christian publishing, that its, its reach is long, its appetite is greedy. And so there's lots of, you know, I mean, Christian publishers wanna earn money, so they sell their books everywhere, don't they? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. That's, I think that's the avenue through which it, it, it arrived in Australia. Yeah, you know, I would say what you just said really has something that has been illuminated to me this year because I, yeah. uh, you know, the reason I'm interested in this topic is because I am a, a victim of right. Christianity's purity culture teachings and I've been dealing with that uh, my entire adult life um, and I really have found you know, more of an answer than I ever have this year um, through a program that I've gone through that I'll, I'll tell you a little about. But but what I learned through this program was that I kind of came to the realization, I was like, oh, this really wasn't ever really about Christianity. Mm. This was really about the culture, like the whole yeah. culture. And I started to see, um, I started to see where that was seeping in everywhere, where, yeah. um, 
you know, just the way that we as uh, Western people, and, and I guess as, as almost all people yeah. truly think about sex and it, and it's always been so much about men and like their needs. And, um, you know, just, I even see it in just like good, good people that I know that would never consider themselves sexist or, you mm. know, patriarchal or whatever. It's mm. starting to show up to me in ways I've never seen before. Cause I had always thought, how do I get over this purity culture thing? And now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a whole cultural thing. This is not just a Christianity thing. This is something that we need, we need to like overhaul the culture on this in so many ways. Um, so that was uh, sort of just an epiphany I have had uh, recently. Um, and it's been really eye-opening and really freeing in a lot of ways. Um, but let's talk about the podcast. What gave you the passion to explore this topic? I heard you talk on another podcast about uh, I lost Debbie. Hopefully she comes back. We're having issues here, guys. <laughs> oh, here we go. Wait, oh. Hey, you're back. Wait, hold on. It there says I am not presented to broadcast anymore. It says okay. you're there now. You're there. Okay. All right. I'm sorry about that. I'm not sure what's happening. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what I was saying is, is you talked about a journalism project that you did. Uh, so tell, tell me about that and then, you know, how you got so interested in this. In the topic of human sexuality. Yes. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm not sure, actually. I think part of it is, I think, our sexuality is so intricately tied to who we are. I truly believe that. And I think... I've always been a deep thinker. I was a deep thinking child <laughs> growing up. And I think when you grow up in a really multicultural environment, um, so I was a Sri Lankan kid in a Sri Lankan home, navigating life in the Philippines and then in Northwest Arkansas. And then the second half of my life in the Philippines, I was at a missionary kids school in Manila with American, primarily American uh, teenagers doing grade seven to grade 12. And so I was, it was like a, a culture within a culture within a culture. And what happens now I realize is I was just trying to figure out who I was. And I think when you grow up in a, let's say for you, uh, you're you know, in a white family, in a white neighborhood, in you know, a white town or whatever, um, it's, it's, I don't want to assume that that's your life, by the way. I'm sorry. Basically, you probably yeah. shouldn't do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, then, yeah. So then there, it's not that you don't have to figure out. You do actually. And I think that's part of the thing that happened for people in purity culture is they're also trying to figure out what their life was like because you didn't realize that there was something going on because everything felt like you knew it, you got it. I think for me, because my life never felt like I knew it, I got it. I was always trying to figure out like what's going on here, what's my place here. And part of that was just, I think the fact that we were foreigners in a culture that was very patriarchal. So we got a lot of sexual attention and that was that was just the story for um, for us. And, and that was one of the things we had to navigate, especially as teenagers, more so my white female friends in Manila was just a lot of sexual attention from men in the Philippines. And um, I think because of that, uh, and we were children, you know, really, you know, we don't think of teenagers as children, but teenagers are children. 
And, and so we had to think about that. Like we got, because we got the modesty talk every semester at school, because we got the sex talk every semester at school, Christian school. Um, it was on the mind, you know, it, as opposed to just kind of, yeah, they kind of put it on our minds, if you will. And, um, and then of course, this is also the generation of like Dawson's Creek and um, 10 Things I Hate About You came out when I was 17 or 18 yes, years old. Yes, I heard old. you guys talking that. about that today. <laughs> yeah, and so it's all kind of there. The culture is kind of giving it to us. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Serving it up for us, if you will. But what happened was at my Christian university, I want to say in the first semester there, we had a sex talk as well every semester, of course. And but this guy came. His name is Christopher McCluskey, and he did. He he said this. And he said our sexuality and our spirituality are intertwined. Mm. And that was for me the domino number one. I can't mm. remember what else he talked about. But I remember in that moment in chapel going, okay, if my sexuality and my spirituality is intertwined, that means this is good. That means there's something fundamentally good about that. And I think something in me just committed to fighting to find that good. Um, but we are talking to Debbie Abraham about um, her podcast, Where Do We Go From Here? Um, it's about human sexuality, uh, purity culture, we're talking about it from a uh, Christian perspective, but really being open-minded about it. Um, and I found her uh, podcast because obviously I'm very interested in purity culture. I recently had um, Rachel Welcher on the podcast to talk about her book, um, talking back to purity culture. So um, there you are. Okay. So what I was what I was saying is that it was the first domino to fall, um, and there was a fight in me to kind of say, okay. If this is essentially good, if my spirituality and my sexuality are intertwined, and I feel like this resonates, this I don't, something in me just said this resonates. This yeah. resonates. I think it's true. Then I'm going to fight to find what's good about it instead of feeling ashamed and guilty. And this was me. Like I'd never even dated anyone. I didn't. You know, I didn't watch porn. I didn't. I was a solid like follow rule rule follower in that mm -hmm. sense. And so, um, but I what resonated in that moment was this idea that it's personal, that my sexuality isn't about another person and mm. whether or not I could have sex. It was, it was about me. Like it had something in me that was good and beautiful and worth, um, worth celebrating and holding on to. And so 
that's really what started the process for me. But I think obviously as I've gone on through my life, whether I was single and meeting women who had deep regrets about their own sexual choices, or they felt ashamed that they couldn't explain about their body, uh, when it seemed like you know there was not no reason to feel like why should you feel ashamed about this, um, but there was, and then of course you know you're in church and you start hearing then these messages about marriage and men really need sex and men are also leaders and you just kind of start to go something doesn't add up here and then I got married and you know then my married friends you're starting to hear these stories about sex is really hard and sex is really painful or sex is really all these different things and just kind of going what's going on here and i think that's where the journalism side of me just kind of went there's a story here um and something is going on and it's not just one or two people but it's actually men and women on mass impacted by this yeah yeah um a couple things just thinking back i don't i don't know why it took me this like for so long, I just felt like I was in the dark and like, I don't know what to do about this. I don't know how to reconcile this. A couple of things that stood out to me somewhat recently that I was like, oh yeah, how did I not figure this out when you talk about messages from the church? One of them being, why was I told that I need to like pray for my husband when I was like 13? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you should pray for your future husband. Well, why? Why yeah. am I praying for this? Yeah maybe I won't have a husband. And I, yeah. you know, in addition to the the shame about sex, like I also had like an obsession with getting married yes. and a romance, yes. you know, obsession with romanticism and yes. you know, finding this perfect guy. And then I just assumed when I went to college that I would just, you know, find somebody and it would just be a love story. And, uh, and then that didn't happen. And so I lost you again, Debbie. Like I am desperate for my daughter not to turn out like I, not that there's, yep. I, not that I think badly of myself, but you know, I don't want her to yeah. have that kind of obsession. Like I had, it was almost like an obsession. And, uh, yeah. you know, then ultimately I, you know, I just ended up, you know, throwing my virginity away anyways. And, yep. you know, and I just, I was so confused in my head. So anyway, yeah. just so many badly communicated messages from the church. Yeah. And I always say, I don't think anybody really had that intention, but that's what happened. Like that's, yeah. that's, it was a guided badly. I don't think church leaders like wanted to send this awful message, but they did. And it had a really long lasting effect. Yeah. I think that's generous. I am less generous. <laughs> I, I have some real questions, to be honest with you, that I think I would love to sit down with the people who really orchestrated this stuff mm -hmm. and sit down and actually ask them about their lives. Because I think, I actually think a lot of people, um, I think they had experiences in their own lives that didn't add up always to the standard that they wanted mm -hmm. other people to yeah. hold to. Yeah, that's and I think yeah, and I think a lot of the fear that we received was their own shame, their internalized shame about their own life and their own choices that they projected onto us. But I don't know that. That's a hypothesis. That that's why for me, I think people need to sit down with Josh McDowell, James Dobson, Josh Harris. A real journalist needs to sit down with them and ask them real questions about their life and their choices, and actually go kind of what's going on here. Um, because I think there's a way to communicate the message that historical Christianity has held held on to about what sexuality is without it becoming don't date, only court, don't have, you know, without it becoming the legalism that we received. 
I think yeah. there's a way to kind of communicate it that is not like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm glad things aren't the way they used to be. They, they still, there's still a, a miscommunication, I, I think. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, when I first heard of your podcast, and I know that it's more than about purity culture, but that's what I initially thought it was just yeah. about. And at first I thought, well, I don't know, how are you going to make a whole podcast about that? But then as I've been listening to the episodes, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many issues that go into this. Because especially you're saying it's about human sexuality. So um, yeah. what are some of the tangential issues that you guys have covered that, you know, yeah. it all sort of relates together? Yeah, for sure. Because I think, I, I feel like the heart of our podcast is really the title, Where Do We Go From Here? So as much as we talk about purity culture, the focus is really on the rebuild. Um, and so on the rebuild side, then you're looking at what does a single person's life look like in church? How do married and single people relate to each other? How do we redefine actually what family means? and what milestones are. And all of a sudden going, why are all of our milestones related and rituals, why are they always around marriage? Uh, what does that mean then for somebody who isn't going to get married? And statistically speaking, like let's just look at bald statistics, a lot of people, Christian or not, are not gonna be married in our society. Okay, so what's the church gonna say about that? What are we gonna do about that? What rituals are we gonna put in place so that we're celebrating life, not just marriage and children? So that's one big, one big thing and everything around that. Um, I think emotional health is another big one that we, we do and will continue to do around the psychological counseling aspect of life that really for so many of us who were raised in Christian homes, we just didn't receive. Uh, so healthy ideas around emotional regulation, um, attachment, grief, all of those things that impact our sexuality and our sexuality impacts all of those things. Um, healthy relationships. I think that's something we're really hoping to do this year is kind of look at what our relationship warning signs, whether you're married or whether you're single. Uh, because again, you're not taught. It's just like, just date a Christian. Just date a nice Christian yeah. woman. As like all Christians are. Because <laughs> nothing can go wrong there, as we know. And then, you know, we, yeah. So we also look at popular culture. What messages are we getting from popular culture? Because this is the thing, right? We can be critical of purity culture, as we should. But popular culture had its own set of really dysfunctional ideas about human sexuality that were just as patriarchal, just as patriarchal mm -hmm. as we got from purity culture. Still. So nobody's still. doing this well. Yeah. And still, that's right. And nobody is really doing this well. And so I think that's what we're hoping to do with this show is really generate a conversation that's going to lead to People who love God are following Jesus, equip them to really live out into that space that no one occupies of emotional sexual health. Uh, yeah. What can that look like for us? And so, yeah, those are the topics I would say that we cover. And then um, the other thing I think that we're really wanting to do more of is also talk about queer Christianity and what does it mean for queer people in the church. Uh, I think that's really important. Like this is a big group of people in our church that we've sort of ignored. And now there are enough people who are either queer or same-sex attracted in the church that we don't need to listen to what straight people have to say on the topic. We can just listen to them to do it. And I think, you know, we hope that we're a host for those conversations as well. I, I listened to your episode with Eileen, is her name Eileen? Bridget, Bridget, Bridget Rivera. Bridget, She's incredible. Yeah, She's that was incredible. really, it was very interesting to hear the yeah. background information that she shared. Yes. And just 
get a, a peek into like what she's thinking. And I agree, like we need to hear from those people. Yeah. Um, so uh, I had a, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the other person that I've recently um, learned about and didn't know about Sheila Gregor, um, I had not been familiar with her and um, I'm just gonna keep talking cause you're gonna come back on. Um, so Sheila Gregor, I had listened to an episode of hers uh, that you had her on and, oh, are you there? I am. I okay, think good. I am. Yes. Yep. Okay. You are. Um, yeah. And so I had, I don't know where she popped up in my feed the other day, but I started reading her. I was like, oh, well, this is interesting. I kind of like what she has to say. And this isn't your typical uh, church person talking. So, um, so I, I want to get her new book. And I want to uh, read more about what she's been talking about. She seems like a different kind of way, a fresh voice within Christianity. It's talking about these issues. Um, okay. So you guys talked a lot about books. Um, and yes. I, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I had the book Love and Respect in my house. Like, and that's, and I didn't, I don't even remember reading it. But I've heard from yes. other people like how bad it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, no wonder I'm so messed up. Like I was reading these awful books. Yeah. And um, I was wondering, do you have any book suggestions that are actually good? Ooh, that is a great, what a great question. I mean, uh, I personally so Chris, think everyone should read Come As You Are, but. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, so I think the important thing to remember here about sexuality is that we need the science uh, behind this stuff. And I actually think the science points straight to God. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think, I, I often think secular resources on sexuality are better resources for us than Christian resources. So Esther Perel, I think is outstanding. Her work, her TED talks are outstanding on intimacy and sexuality. And she will give you a very different angle on, um, on sex, like what sex is. Uh, compared to say what love is. So the love and the bonding hormones that we need to feel loved are sometimes not the ones you need to have really explosive sex. Uh, and so kind of, I find that her work is really interesting in that regard. So I think it's so important for Christians to develop thinking skills so that you can ingest secular, good secular information and then go, okay, what here is actually confirmed by, what here is, is God already saying yes to, uh, that this person actually illuminates and explains for us better uh, maybe than Christian resources do. So that's, I would say Esther Perel, obviously Emily Nagoski for sure. Tina Shermer Sellers is a fantastic mm -hmm. resource uh, for parents. Um, Christopher West is a Catholic theologian who explores the writing of uh, Pope John Paul II. So he did a big thing on the theology of the body. So I think Christopher West's book, Fill These Hearts, uh, is a book about sexuality that is for me the one that I read a long, long time ago and I loved. And it's just beautiful. Like what he writes about sex and within the context of faith is a really beautiful exploration of what sex is. Now, Fill These Hearts is not like a manual. It's not a marriage book, it's not a manual, but it's a really good book as far as like a theology of sexuality goes. Um, as far as marriage books, I, I haven't read any that I like that have worked for us. We've done the marriage course through the Trinity, Holy Trinity in Brompton Church does it. That was a great course, fantastic course. Mm -hmm. 
um, that I, I've really appreciated, applicable, very solid. Um, yeah, I don't know if that helps. Well, no, I, um, I just, I wanted, yeah. I was going to say, I wanted to hit harder on your point just about like Christians ingesting secular material. I mean, I think that's a, a huge thing that I learned. Um, you know, I it's speaking with someone, uh, a family member of mine that had a really tough marriage with someone who was sort of emotionally abusive at one point. Um, and she had only gone to Christian people to advise her. And they all just were like, stay, stay, stay. Like they gave her no tools and to, how to deal with what was going on in her marriage. And so when I was having some trouble um, years ago in mine, uh, she actually advised me. She's like, actually, I wouldn't go see a Christian counselor about this. You know, she made me be a little worried about uh, that. And so now I just have my eyes open. Uh, like we are going to a marriage conference next weekend and I'm a little skeptical about it. And I'm going, okay, I'm walking into this knowing that I don't have to accept everything that's said here. Like I'm going to have my radar on. And if I hear something that, you know, kind of isn't, doesn't sound right to me, I don't have to take that away with me. Um, but it took me this long to get that, uh, you know, un understanding of, um, of being able to ingest it in that way. Okay. We lost her again. Well, guys, I guess we are going to have to finish up because um, I, I'm not getting video on Debbie anymore, but we did talk for quite a while. So um, maybe we will follow, do some follow-up questions to add on the audio. But for now, thank you so much for joining us. As This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.